Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Skyping's Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. Today, we are joined by a tall drink of water <laughs> of bougie water. Have you heard of bougie water? No, is that a thing? I see it on menus now in LA. Bougie water is water that is infused with some type of fruit. God, Los Angeles is just eating itself. (laughs) We are becoming our own (laughs) stereotype. The voice you are hearing is the indubitable, the the controversial sometimes. Yeah. The chatty. Yeah. The chatty. Bit bit mad on social media. (laughs) I, I really feel like you have taken social media by the horns. You're doing it right. You're doing it right. Pronounce your last name for me properly, please. Jamil. Oh, it is. Jamila Jamil. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You should have been a rapper. I agree. <laughs> Maybe next. Jamila Jamil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's just asking for raps. I agree. There's actually a song uh, about me now on Spotify, which is very filthy, which I uh, had to listen to with my boyfriend. Ooh. And uh, there's a man who's going to do all kinds of sexual things to me on this song. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. the whole song is just like how he's going to jam Jamila Jamil? Some of it is about is involves jamming me. That yeah. makes sense. It's just yeah. right there. It's yes, like how it's, would you if he was a true linguist and he didn't do uh, that? It's a trap I would feel song, and it's it's it's, it's exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also just picturing your boyfriend because James Blake yeah. is yeah. the exact opposite of yes. trap. Yes, he yeah he definitely he he wrote me a kind of an album of just like very sweet slow love songs, and then this trap song came out about aggressively pounding me and. <laughs> Balance. He's concerned. Balance. (laughs) I like it. Balance. I'm so happy that we were able to make this happen because you're very busy. I am very busy. So are you. We are well done us considering we met on an audition of a show that we never got to do together. It wasn't even an audition. It was like a it was like a, a chemistry test. Oh yeah, it was a chemistry. We had both yeah. like booked it. They just wanted to see if we yeah. liked each other. Yeah, and, we and did. then we did. Yeah, and here we are, I which like honestly you. is so like contrary to what people say about LA. Mm-hmm. I've actually met Especially quite a few with people, girls who are of color. You know mm-hmm. that we're supposed to be against each other because we're taught fundamentally there's only room for one of us in the room, and you and I sort of very quickly didn't compete with each other and just sort of enjoyed each other. <laughs> Like it immediately, was really fun. I like that one over there. Yeah, yeah her. That, yes, and it was really like they were, we were the only two in the room. Mm. So I'm very glad that we were able to form a bond. Same. Um, please pardon if at any point in this podcast I accidentally say words with a with a faux British accent. That's all right. I'm so used to it. That's okay, right. it's not even like intentional. Yeah, it's I just... break into an American accent all the time. Oh, that was my phone. How dare I? Um, I uh, yeah, I I do it all the time hear. as well. It's fine. We can just. Did you ever do one on good on the Good Place? Yes. When you did Janet, right? Yeah, I had to. No, I don't think I did Janet. I think I was playing Rhonda Mumps or something like that. This woman from the 40s, I had a kind of like old fashioned American accent where it almost sounds a little bit English. 
but kind of also like Samantha. It's from bizarre Sex in the to City. watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching. Have you the first time I ever met an Asian person with a Southern accent? That was trippy for me. Yeah, it was trippy. Yeah, because and there's a whole entire like uh, I want to say Chinese community down in like biola battery louisiana like yeah. in like like next to bubba gump like mm-hmm. there's an entire asian community down there and i remember just being like oh and this is even y'all are cajun y'all have like a cajun mm-hmm. accent and so i'm watching you do an american accent but i know that you're british so it's trippy with my mentals we're all just flesh and bone amanda <laughs> <laughs> are we though you are so much on the right side of things. I learn a lot from your social no. media, from your rants. I do, I do, I do. I find you very, very inspiring. And I love how uh, completely mad and outspoken you are at times. And it makes me very happy. And your hair sometimes is all like disheveled. <laughs> and you're just like screaming into the camera. And it's like nothing else that exists on the internet. I've 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 been telling you how much I love your social media forever. It's true. But She's it's, not gassing me for the really recording. It really is incredible. Sometimes I'm just in this house, Jamila. I'm yes. just in this house. No, I'm just I know like, you ah! are. No, and and today's great. today's episode is side effects of shame. Yes, and which I feel like you and I are quite good at ridding ourselves of. Yeah, because they try. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of attempts of shame. Yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like it requires a certain level of compassion to even be able to rid yourself. Yes. Oh my God, it requires so much self-compassion. It also uh, implies that you have an ability to even identify shame, which most of us don't because we're so hyper-normalized, accustomed to shame. And so, you know, I think that often we don't even know when A, we're receiving it from someone else or we don't know when we're doing it to ourselves. So much of our shaming, like, you know, it's like they plant a seed of shame in us when we're young and then we foster and grow that seed into a plant of our own shame where we're shaming ourselves. And we don't even know that we're doing it because we're so accustomed to it, especially as women, especially of women of color. Uh, it's coming at us from so many different directions and it's like a haze or a mist in the air that we can't even a find haze it. haze or a mist. We can't find it. Yeah. We can't. No, it's coming in almost, you know. I mean, I talk about pause. a lot. I talk a lot about how, like, I started going to therapy originally because I was like, enough people had told me people don't like you that I was like, maybe, maybe I don't like me, and so that's why yeah. I started going. But then when I got to the core of it too, it was like I was from very early on like supposed to be ashamed for being smart. Mm-hmm. Like that was like a thing. Like mm-hmm. I remember being. On the playground at last elementary school when Nikea said to me, Amanda, you just think you're better than everybody because you're an encyclopedia. And I was like, I really don't. I just knew the answer to what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. But it became early on like, I don't like, I feel uncomfortable that you know this. And so I'm going to turn it on you to make you feel self-conscious about that. And for a very long time, like that was something that like, mm-hmm. I just felt very like. I was bullied at school for being smart. I found a journal entry that my mom sent me. That said, like, I wish I wasn't gifted because it just, I wish I was a normal kid because people just, and I'm like, damn, seventh grade Amanda, you were going through it. And I was flat chested. I was being told every day that I had mosquito bites. Oh. Yeah. I had breasts when I was born, um, but <laughs> but I was, Picturing you know, it. I was a scholarship child who was popular with teachers, not children, which yes. is the worst. Yes, um, <laughs> we live the same life. Yes. <laughs> and I was therefore rejected by children. 
um, because of that, because they resented the fact that I did my schoolwork and that I knew the answers and I put my hand up in class. They thought that they made, they taught me that there was something wrong with me. And once I left that old girls school of being taught that I then, you know, started to meet men who then also yes. made me feel as if I should hide my intelligence yes, and hide my opinions. You, I'm sure. Yeah. It was really, really hard. And it's really taken me forever to find men who are comfortable with the fact that I am smart and I'm funny and I'm powerful. Yes. And, and that's not, okay and i'm not a dick about it you know I'm you just, just are i just am just like some of them are you know right and it's just not a big deal and and surely the world would be a better place if we have uh a bigger um workforce rather than <laughs> only having men do the workforce and then we're not utilizing all the women who could help benefit the economy look at all the places that have the worst economy in the world they are almost always places that deny women basic human rights or abilities to learn and work and have equal positioning. So you're just denying yourself half a workforce. Therefore, you're a fucking idiot if you're That's, doing that. Yeah. Right. You know, I like where you went with doesn't that. doesn't make sense. You're just a Mathematically, fucking idiot. Like, just be business smart. Have a, have a bigger workforce. It just makes sense. It's available sense. to you. Yeah. It's like, and, they, and, and they want to. Yeah. It'd be different if the women were like, no, no, no. 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 no they're like, why are we what? poor? It's like, cause you're, you're working with half of what America has. They let the women work. They harass us when we're doing yeah, it. There it is. They but, shame you for being a woman who wants to, to work. To school. Yeah. They will shame yeah. you for being a woman who wants to work. How do you, how dare you want to work instead of raising your children? And yeah. you're like, but I, um, can I do both? <laughs> well, there's a big fear in uh, a lot of the patriarchy that I think stems back, you know, to the beginning of time where they registered that like we have an inhuman capacity for pain and we can be very sensible and very nurturing and we can f foster a, a body in our body. And that's quite scary, I think, to some men who are very insecure because they fear that their uh, seed is the only thing about them that is valuable. And once we have it, then we won't need anything from them. But men are also great for being colleagues or conversationalists or cuddles or, cuddles. or love or friendship, you know. And so it's sad that they diminish their own worth like that. It's sad that they it's feel like they don't have much worth. So yes. therefore they have to lie to us and tell us we have no power to disempower us, to take away our power. It's like, you must be really afraid of someone if you feel like you need to take away all their of their power. power. Yes. You know, I mean, that's what happened to African-American people who were just African Took people. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, it's just like these are these. <laughs> that's African African -American people who used to just be. African people. But that's what we do with women. We we when we are threatened by someone, we do everything we can to rob them of their um freedom. And that's do what you doing feel like because like when you're on your Instagram, I mean, you, of course, are an actress and you are doing much more than just the gram. But I feel like there's something unique that you do with your Instagram in terms of your just ability to be so blatantly um, challenging to like body shaming in particular and uh, weight loss, et cetera, et cetera. Like, mm, do you consent. feel I do a lot on consent as well? Consent. Yes. Yeah. Consent. Um, I, you know, I always I say that consent should feel like very enthusiastically joining in the electric slide. But it's funny you say that because uh, when I first started talking about consent, <laughs> I, I, I introduced the concept of enthusiastic consent because technical consent is the bar currently. That's not good enough. Mm, okay. Isn't the bar. Enthusiastic consent is the bar. That's the lowest bar. You want someone to desperately want to have yes, sex with you. I'm here you for it. Come on. No, get, just wet your dick. It's fine. We'll figure it out. Come on. Get yeah. it. I'll, I'll get wet around it. Like, that's what it. Yeah. Hold on. The cheesecake is here. The cheesecake has arrived. So, Jamila was seven minutes late. 
um, provided us with three pieces of cheesecake and a cupcake mm-hmm. as a recompense. Mm-hmm. So that lets me know I have to do better because <laughs> I would have simply just provided a text <laughs> and maybe like a prayer hands emoji. Like, yeah, please yeah. forgive me. Maybe even a GIF. But I don't do it for everyone I'm late for, just the people that I value. Oh, sweet. I like it. I feel special. Thank you. So when did you feel like, okay, I've identified like a shame that I have upon myself that I need to fix? Well, I mean, probably I was about 19 when I uh, I got hit by a car at 17, broke my back, was out for like a year and a half. And uh, in that time, realized that I'd been very anorexic until then from the age of like 13 to 17. You found Super anorexic, yeah. Well, I I knew I had been. I'd been like unbelievably anorexic and weighed about 100 pounds at at five foot 10, which is not very much. And uh, was a young starving model uh, at about 15, 16 years old who was being told by her agents just to eat one red pepper a day in order to maintain that weight. As a growing child, I had no, no menstruation. Like I was just going out of my mind. Um, but, you know, I came up in the 90s where you were told that heroin chic was the only aesthetic to as- aspire towards. Heroin. Chic, yeah. So you're supposed to look like a heroin addict and that is considered um, attractive the and the look and the only look and anything above that is too fat and is disgusting and makes you a worthless whore. Um, not that there's anything wrong with being a whore. But... Um, <laughs> right. It's just important to be careful there because uh, there isn't. Um, but it's just, it's just a real fucking, it was just a real wake up call. Have it losing the ability to control my body and, and to be able to walk from the bed to the toilet and to be able to piss on my own in privacy and realizing that I have taken this body that does all these amazing things for granted so horrendously and I've been actively hurting it and starving it and hating it. It just kind of knocks some sense into me. And that started making me wonder, started making me want to unpack my eating disorder and wonder why I even had an eating disorder. What would make a smart girl do all of these unbelievably stupid things to herself. I used to take all the detox products that people were selling and celebrities were talking about. I was that kid. And so I, at 19, became an activist against eating disorder rhetoric. People think I just started it a year ago because being woke is now like trendy and I'm trying to performatively be an activist. But I've been doing this for 14 fucking years. I was one of the people who helped kick off the size zero debate that hit the whole world in 2000 and like four or something. I was part of that. And I've been uh, an activist around this for a very long time. The problem is, is that I was much more marginalized before than I am now. Racially well, you're popping now. And size wise. And that's, that's, that's so new to me. And so <laughs> that's why club. people now think that, uh, and it's funny. Like, up and it's yeah. a thing you're doing to and, stay popping. And when I was marginalized, people were like, well, you're just bitter. And that's why you're complaining yes. about this. And now that I'm privileged, they're like, well, well you're too privileged to speak about, about it. it. It's like, well, then who the fuck gets to ever speak about it? Speak we have on a different it. way to silence everyone. Someone's got to say something. Surely the person with the platform and the privilege has a duty 
to yes. kick the door open for all the other people who have been doing that work for years. I'm not the first person who's ever spoken out about detox or teas or or diet rhetoric or f- fat phobia or racism or, or consent. But I'm the person who has the biggest amount of privilege. So therefore, I can lead the way and help and help uplift the voices of other and activists. And if you weren't... And if you weren't doing that, then the conversation would be like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. You're not using your platform for anything. You're just on here looking pretty and that's a shame. Yeah, which is what most people do because they're afraid of, of, you know, rocking the gravy boat. Well, even myself. I mean, I would definitely say, I wouldn't say that I was afraid of rocking the gravy boat per se, but it just got to a point with these Instagrams where I'm just like, I just felt like I was giving away free game. Yeah. I felt like I was giving away like bullets that people were using to shoot me with. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? I'm just not doing this shit no more. It was very stressful. Some of the things that were happening in your Instagram store, in your direct messages. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's insanity. The shit that someone sent me a message the other day and they were like, when I see you, I'm going to kick your ass. The reality though, is that I think that there's something we need to get to the bottom of first, which is even just identifying what is shaming because I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had around that because we now have a a space where we have a bunch of voices that come together and not are all in not are all influenced by the same things, not all inspired by the same things, and not all have the same intentions. Yeah. And I think that there's a conflict that happens between like the difference between shaming and constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, like I always talk about this time where I did a tweet where I said, you know, if you are spending money, if you if you're spending your money on Jordans and Nike suits, but you don't have a passport, you're losing. And this went just insane people said that amanda seals is a petty bourgeoisie who is passport shaming the disenfranchised black community and i didn't even know that passport shaming was a thing thing. yeah because what to me it's shaming if you are trying to belittle someone for something they don't have the ability you're just telling people to spend their money on on a variation of things i'm just telling people don't get tricked by this materialism because what they really want you to do is to not see bigger than the world that they've allowed you to see. Yeah, That's really what I'm saying. Yes. Now, what people don't know is that I was saying that because I was sitting in an airport in Paris and I looked at the person I was dating's uh, Instagram and uh, it was just embarrassingly basic. And he had said to me, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I had said to him, that I was going somewhere and he was like, I don't need to go anywhere because I travel in my brain. And I was like, you, you, you YouTube, you porn? <laughs> like, is that what porn up? <laughs> I was like, what is, and, 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 but it was like, but this person had so much money to spend on things that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, you know, they bring him joy, but at the end well, of the day. So you're a comedian. I'm a comedian. So sometimes we get taken out of context as if we're saying things very, very literally. All the time. I said that the Met Gala without Rihanna was like sex without an orgasm. And, and, you know, a couple of people who couldn't reach orgasm felt like I was shaming them. And first of all, I never said that that's that bad, <laughs> but also wasn't deliberately just attacking people. You can't have orgasms, but also people who can't have orgasms understand that like, you know what, this might actually be better if I could have an orgasm. Yes. Like that's, we know I, as someone who took for fucking ever to have one, I always knew at the time, like, this is cool. This friction that we got going on is yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. But I've heard that there's actually something that could happen in this space that might make it even better. Um, I didn't have an orgasm till I was 22. I might have you said till. I didn't even start having sex till I was 18. 
So 22. I didn't start, no, I didn't start having sex till I was 21. And you said until you were 22? So for a year. Because I was, I was like, having sex for a whole year. year. Yeah. D- don't. I'm don't shaming you. shame me about how quickly I managed to discover <laughs> orgasms, right? First of all, I fucking started later than you. I didn't have my first kiss till I was 21. Fair enough. And then I moved within that year on to sex. And then <laughs> for a year of having, you know, frequent sex with someone that I was with, I thought I was going to piss. And no one told me that you feel like you're going to pee, but you're not always going to pee. Nope. So I just never, ever allowed myself to. Uh... Uh, I would stop myself because I was terrified that of urinating be, yeah. all over someone who Splash did not, who wasn't into it. piss. You know that right? Some people love that. Yeah, I my friend uh, Emily told me that when she had her first orgasm, she shed a silent tear. Aww. Just just a tear ran down her face, like it happened. Oh, that's really sweet. I didn't get my first orgasm until I was thirty-two. Damn, mm-hmm. that is quite a long time. Yes, because no one bothered to take the time. And the person who did take the time, I always say, only did it because he wasn't paying rent. And I feel like he was like, this is my currency. But I mean, when I say orgasm, I mean, I could bring myself to and I could like get an orgasm from getting eaten out. But like a dick gasm. Right. J- Rebecca looked so concerned just now that I had to clarify. She literally was looking at me like... I just, I, uh, she looked. We should start a fund or something. (laughs) Like, can we start a GoFundMe? But I feel like I used to be shamed, though, for not having an orgasm by men. Mm. And I wrote an article about it. And it's actually also in my book about how, like, I had a dude who literally was like, you're not going to come anyway. So what's the point? (gasps) And, like, got out of me. Like, mid, like, mid thrust was just like, got up and just told me that and then left the room and went to go play video games, like, with his homeboy across the hall. And I just had to gather myself and my vagina and like put it together. Um, He has since apologized. Uh, And then, um, and I had another dude who literally was just like, having sex with you is no fun. And I was like, I'm I'm a a great great time. time. I'm a great fucking time. I'm a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, because you don't orgasm. You're the only one leaving without a party bag. I don't know what they're fucking complaining about. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm, (laughs) you... (laughs) You're, I'm not stopping you yeah. from getting to the goods. Yeah. I'm simply just. You're turning up at the party. You're yeah, dancing, dancing. And you're leaving without a bag. That's it. I brought a gift. They got a bag. I don't see the confusion. This is unacceptable. So that was the thing I was shamed about for a while. Right. I had someone who couldn't eat me out. And so he told me that I tasted funny. He, he ate me out. He couldn't make me come when he ate me out. So he told me I tasted funny. He tried to shame me. Because we're talking about shame, right? So we're talking about the ways mm-hmm. that people will try to manipulate shit to make you feel shame about yourself it's versus often even so much. Yeah, projection. versus address simply just, yes, it's just projection so many times. And so you will internalize it. And I think as women, we are also built to, and to, like you said, just expect that. Mm-hmm. And it will take somebody, like it took my friend Emily to be like, there's nothing wrong with your, I'm sure your pussy tastes fabulous. He just can't get you to come. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I remember when I was like four years old, uh, flying cockroach. Like cucumbers, by the way. Uh, great, that's good to know. Um, a uh, a flying cockroach landed on me on my elbow. No, which is horrifying. No, no, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. And I immediately flung it off onto my brother. And that is what we do with shame. We have something <laughs> ugly that I didn't lands know where on us. This was going, and we very quickly just Woo! toss it off. To somewhat, that means wanking, masturbating in England, not tossing off. Um, 
threw it off, discarded it, uh, and immediately popped it onto someone else, you know, because it feels uncomfortable. You want it out of you. You want to throw it at someone else. And also you want to point and stare at someone so that no one's pointing and staring at you. It's a classic. It's a classic technique. It is. One might say a cliche. One might say. One might. Do you feel like shaming at this point, though, has gotten a little bit out of hand in terms of the, the ways in which we... Sometimes I just feel like people are a little OD with the shaming. Like everything is, mm -hmm. I feel like there's a certain point where it becomes where if you're calling everything shaming, you're almost desensitizing the true value of when shaming is actually happening. Mm -hmm. That bothers me. I feel like everybody calls everything shaming if they just simply just don't want to hear the truth. Yeah. And sometimes I think we put too much meaning behind someone's error or someone's hmm. mistake. Um, sometimes I think that we, we, diagnose someone as a thing that perhaps they aren't they maybe said a thing by accident that made them come they're across this way they're yeah they're problematic or like phobic we use the word phobic Ooh, very loose. easily very easily in a way that i think is damaging because i understand the reasoning behind it because you want to make someone's behavior so stigmatized and taboo that then everyone will be afraid of doing that thing but unfortunately if we call everyone phobic or everyone something ist uh then we are going to when well, when they aren't actually yeah, you might be able, if we call someone ableist or racist or transphobic or, you know, homophobic, where they aren't actually someone who wants those people to not participate in the community, where they wouldn't mind if their kid dated someone like that or they would date someone like that. Um, but they've said this one thing that was negligent or ignorant or problematic, then it dilutes the pool. And then we don't yes. know where to find the actual transphobic, yes. the actual racist, the actual ableist people. 1, because then they're hiding in this sea of like, where's Wally? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, we're turning Wally? it into where's Wally by 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 um, naming everyone. Is where's Wally what it's thing. called in England? Where's Wally is what we call it. You call it where's Waldo. We like to make everything a little bit more pathetic. Uh, <laughs> uh, we like to make it sound just a tiny bit weaker. Just, okay. Uh, no shame to weak people. Um, right. No shame to weak people i was uh d diagnosed by a doctor as clinically weak which isn't <laughs> shut the it's not up. really a condition it's just the <laughs> wait, thing wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah i had a doctor tell me uh, first of all i went to a doctor one time who rolled me over and then stuck a stub up my ass oh and told me that that was some type of exam dentist? and i was Bad like dentist? i don't have a prostate <laughs> yeah like what are we what was that like that's and i feel insane. like that's something you Tell somebody like I'm gonna. There's gonna a thumb's going up your ass. I need you to yes. prepare. No, it was a, and That's... it was apparently a part of the physical. Nope, I've was... never gotten over it. I can still yep. feel it right now. Yep. And then he informed me that I was overweight, um, and that if I really wanted to be an actress in Hollywood, I needed to do something about that. Why did you go to Harvey Weinstein as a doctor? <laughs> so funny enough, this was my he doesn't mother's... have a PhD, Amanda. This was my mother's doctor. I. I left the office going, why are you seeing this person? Like, what? How, I, don't, I needed a physical for my, for my, for like a scholarship, I think. I needed a physical. And so I just went to my mom's doctor and he informed me. Well, actually, no, it's very important when um, getting an academic scholarship to make sure someone's asshole <laughs> is clean. Uh, so I'm, it's actually just embarrassing you don't know about that, but it's, the rectum is a pivotal part of. Well, it is because the background someone check. is going to be blowing smoke back, up my ass. It's a background check. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. They just need to make sure. Make sure it's in the back and that it's yeah. round. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to square look, asshole. You had a clean asshole. I did. 
and it was perfectly functional and you got to finish your education. I'm looking at your graduation photo right Look now. at that, right there. Yeah, and thanks to that doctor. So actually, I find you very ungrateful, young lady. <laughs> Shame. Shame on you, young lady. Shame. <laughs> um, so I do think sometimes shaming can be misdirected uh, sometimes or over... I think we sometimes over-diagnose someone as a... As a a worse person even than they are which I don't think will really get us anywhere in the end it will just create like further chaos and make it impossible for us to organize the actual bigots well, from a lot the of people idiots. don't even know what they're doing like yeah. if you okay first of all if you were raised by an immigrant parent mm -hmm. shaming is literally like a parental style yeah. for immigrant parents uh -huh. like I came home after being on the pill and I opened the refrigerator and I took out an ice cream and I closed the refrigerator. My mom was just on the other side of the door, like Bishop and Juice. And <laughs> she said to me, don't you think you've had enough of that? Oh. And at the time, uh, I was very forlorn by this. But I, in hindsight, know that like for a lot of like immigrant parents like it's they don't have the the frameworks uh my mother is from grenada there are specific things that are just like i'm gonna shame you about sex i'm gonna shame you about weight i'm gonna shame you about money like this is culture mm -hmm. and then you have to like work on deep like really cleaning that out yeah they also love it when they've gone through all the effort to come to the West and then we choose <laughs> a career like show business, which is oh, just the most up and down, darling, insecure. How dare we? All <laughs> the work possible. I have put in. Yeah. It's either choosing show business or choosing sex and possibly getting pregnant and also debunk yeah. just completely making their entire move away. Yeah, waste. I don't know about you, but my uh, my family definitely are riddled with sort of self-hating of their own culture because of the amount of racism they encountered when they got to England. They tried mm. to fit in, which a lot of people do, and we demonize people for that, but sometimes it's a survival skill. It's not always rooted in a hatred of your culture. It just comes out as quite self-hating because you just want to be accepted. And, you know, they, they speak in terribly, terribly posh accents and uh, are not really the, you know, the accents of our country um, and uh, they uh, love to be considered European if really? someone might mistake them for that because we're quite light skinned for mm -hmm. South Asians because of all the rape um, in my country um, and then uh, they they kind of didn't really play us Indian music. They didn't really cook Indian food. Uh, you know, uh, my siblings are afraid of eating curry in case they smell of curry afterwards. Really? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole thing, that kind of shame. And it's just important when you see shaming to just try to mm -hmm. unpack it yes. if you can, because it comes from all kinds of different directions that you don't know about and you can't understand. And we must call it out. We must reprimand. I have no problem with that. But this cancel culture or hyper demonization is something that is just going to lead us into madness. I have walked into my aunt's house in Grenada and immediately was greeted with, hmm, well, you've been eating. <laughs> yeah same so you know, much fat shaming or, or, or don't go in the sun it, because they don't want me to get darker big one really big one of not wanting me to, to mine is dark. either you've been eating or you haven't been eating enough and i'm like is there a median mm -hmm. is there a happy medium that will garner a different shame no they just want to take a second from their own <laughs> self-shaming to go and shame someone else it's just a little you know it's a little break just a little respite yeah from their own you know in in a monologue to go and like mess up yours
we have some questions. Okay. So we're going to get into some questions. Let's see. I'm having a lovely time. I really am. This is nice. We're sitting here on the pillow. Basically lying down with cake. I mean, <laughs> is there a better time? It really doesn't get better. <laughs> Telling right. each other the truth. First question. Yo, I've just been in a healing process for some shame. How do you go from feeling ashamed about an aspect of your identity, like growing up broke or with an illiterate parent, to having pride that that's the thing that contributed to making you who you are? Well, I found therapy very helpful for myself yep. because not everyone can have the clarity that this person's had to even identify where that sense of shame comes from. Um, saying your feelings and thoughts out loud can be incredibly empowering, not just because someone else hears them, but because you hear those words for the first time. You get to hear what you're actually thinking for the first time. So therapy, if you are lucky enough to have access to it or can afford it, I found EMDR therapy. That stands for Eye, Eye Movement, Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Um, that type of therapy is... Short. I've never heard of that. Oh, it's incredible. I EMDR. So, yeah, I had a super abusive upbringing and childhood and uh, first 20 years of my life were truly like an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, and I had to have a lot of EMDR therapy in order to get over it. What it is, is it's the most effective therapy in the world it's mainstream this isn't some woo woo like yeah. cafe gratitude shit like this is woo-woo. no offense sorry no Rebecca that always tells me that I'm very woo woo okay well this isn't <laughs> this is like they pay for it on the NHS the National Health Service in England and they hate it when they have to pay for our well-being <laughs> <laughs> the NHS don't the government just hate it um the NHS are great but uh this therapy, what it does is it removes the feeling you have attached to a thought or a memory. Um, and it just kind of uses your eye movement because there is a link between your eye movement and your thought processes. So when you recall a memory, we often look up. Mm-hmm. And when we are lying, we look to the left because that's where the creative part of the brain is. There are so many clear um commonalities between movement of the eyes and thought processes so when someone worked that out back in like the 70s or earlier they were they realized that if we could manipulate someone's eye movement while they're thinking of a thought or a memory then we could actually change where we could actually break the feeling yeah it's proper rewiring of the brain it's almost like reorganizing it's like having a shelf uh, of of logical and illogical thoughts and moving something from the illogical to the logical i.e i was terrified of the dark until i was 28 i had two sessions of emdr therapy i now sleep in the dark shut it up it is true i shall not if we're gonna swap then we're gonna fucking swap well really (laughs) okay i'm is hard i'm say i'm i'm I'm, I'm, I'm really, <laughs> see, the problem is I'm all over the place. I'm all, 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 all. all. This, this must, must be, be great, great to listen to. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I do, I do, I do like entire ads and what I consider to be a British accent, but right. I feel like I felt, I go through like seven neighborhoods. You sound like a drunk Idris Elba. <laughs> Works for me. Like. I also feel like and I'm kind of nervous because I'm speaking to you. Like Estelle won't only, let me talk to her in a British accent. God only knows what I sound like. So God only knows what I sound like. It's, it is actually quite good. You go in and out of very good and drunk Idris Elba. It is actually quite good. Yeah. You've got it. it you've got it. No, yeah. do it again. You've got it. You've got it. Yeah. You're very good. You're very good. <laughs> I can mimic it. Yes. But once I have to like make up the sounds You'll myself, it. it's not it gets a little bit, it gets, see how I get a little cockney for no reason. Yeah. And so then I'm like, well, it's more realistic though. No one talks like Tahani in the good place. Do you know what I mean? Like really? only like the 1%. Right. Yes. 
Right. Like anyway. Clairvoy. Anyway. No, because I get great joy out of this. They know that. <laughs> I really do. I really, really do. I can um, see that. So EMDR therapy is what I would suggest. I was going to ask though, what, like where does one even... Oh, there's EMDR therapists all over the place now. It's very, it's becoming increasingly common. It's an amazing way to, I'm very lazy. I don't like to do the work. I don't want to go to therapy or CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, all these different things that are given to you, especially for things like trauma. And, and, and I'm not dissing those things, but I'm just saying I personally am work shy and I feel like I've already gone through all the trauma. Why do I now have to constantly be aware of my inner monologue and constantly catch myself and check myself and then change my behavior when I could just have someone come in and remove the trauma in the first place. So I don't think the bad thoughts or do the bad things. Is it like hypnosis? No, you're awake. It's just literally, it's manipulating your eye movement or using electrical impulses to move things from one side of your brain essentially to the other. Now, here's my thing. Is it less invasive in terms of like how much you're having to talk about things you've no. gone through? No, you still have to do talk therapy in, able to, in order to be able to identify the cause of the problem. Okay. But it's a bit like the it's it's a bit like dentistry. In dentistry, when you have a good dentist, they want to treat the problem, not the symptom. Hmm. And that's what this does. Right, they're not going to pull the tooth unless they got to get A lot of things within wellness treat the symptoms. And that's great. And that's also very important. But it's ideal to just treat the problem so you don't have the symptoms in the first place. (sighs) So that's what I would suggest is that that kind of therapy is very, very good and already sounds like you're on the way to being able to identify that. Just constantly constantly try to identify your worth that is something that we are never told to check in all we're told to think is what we don't have all we think about is what we don't have what we need to acquire we never think about where we're actually at right now and what we contribute now and so i think that's something i would do is try to remain present and remain grateful there you go i think that's really the bottom line and it seems like it's so far-fetched when you're in the midst but like I know one thing I had a therapist tell me was just like, I was just try to remember the good. Like, just remember like, in the moment of madness, like what are the facts of what's happening right now? And at the end of the day, like you made it out, like that shit happened. Yeah. And that was your parent. And that was like a scenario that, that was real to you. But here you are, you're still here. Yeah. So the facts are, you're yes, still here. here. Exactly. And also like there's a sad thing where people shame themselves for their coping mechanisms. So if that be that bulimia or be that drug addiction or sex addiction or whatever. The point is you're still here now, possibly because you had that thing for a while to help you escape. And that probably kept you alive. It doesn't mean you should keep doing it, but you mustn't shame yourself for what you did as a coping mechanism. That was the re- that is the reason yes. that you're still here now is because you threw up that food or because you took those drugs. Fair enough, that is bad for you and you should stop. But you're now able to be here to do the work because of that thing. Don't hate yourself for whatever you had to do to survive. And I tell that especially to people who like are ashamed as adults of what they did as children. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've heard people be like, I was a bad kid. Like I was really a bad kid. And I'm like, okay, yeah, but you also had like- How bad can you be? Did you like, like kill anyone? I mean, there was just bad shit happening. Like you weren't necessarily a bad kid. To me, I just feel like there's a lot of cases where people are bad kids because they had bad adults around them. They yeah, you're a bad... product of your environment. And then you reach a point where you're like, okay, that was then. Now the choice is on me on how I- move forward as an adult and if you keep that shame and you hold that shame it does stand in the way of you being free to be the person that you choose to be versus the person that your circumstances have made you Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i think a lot of us feel chained to we feel chained to those circumstances and that shame helps keep us anchored to that and when you can somehow just be like you know what that shit was whack as shit Mm -hmm. but i you know what here we are 
I did that then or that was done to me, but I have the power today to move past that. You you really can get out from under the the overarching shame that will keep you in place from becoming the person you want to be. And I think that a lot of times we really try and hold people's past and hold people's stories. Mm-hmm. It's just hold them hostage. Someone said once that regret is just the past crippling you in the present. It's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's all it is. I mean, I don't have... Even if I have regrets about something, I'll just ha- I I feel like I've done a really good job of working to just be like, just don't do the shit again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, like you know why you did it, or you explore why you do something, and you then turned it into a lesson. You just, yes, 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 and I think that's actually a really good note to give this person. It's like you you realize that these things that gate were given to you, mm-hmm. you have to take control of like how they affected you and it can be a lesson it's also okay to sort of sometimes take some accountability for hmm. something that's gone wrong if there is any accountability on your part if you get attacked in a park that's not anything to do with you um but you know certain things have happened to me in my life where the in the tiniest way i am complicit and what i do is not shame myself about my complicity um yep is that a word complicity yeah uh, but it not shame myself for being it's a complicit, tv but, show about a young uh, woman yeah. at nyu <laughs> and i um and Instead, I just go, oh, okay, that's a thing that I could do differently next time. And that actually makes me feel empowered. Yes. Because now I have a plan. Yes. And it makes me feel like I have autonomy and some sort of self-control. <sighs> so that's that's another thing that's okay to sometimes like, you know, it's not always just victim shaming. It's sometimes it's a matter of allowing, affording yourself a feeling of being empowered to know that you can do some things to stop it from happening again. I feel like that always works for me. Some people feel like when they are empowered, it almost makes them feel like, ooh, I don't want to fail. And, you know, that's a whole other. What do you mean? Fear of failure. Like that taking control means like, oh, shit, now it's all on me. Oh, fuck. Uh, Yeah. You know, we're just so complex. Well, we know we're just so stupid. Fair enough. uh, I have been stupid uh, for most of my life, which is why I I like talking about how stupid I was so that other people won't be as stupid as I have been. Um, But fear fear of failure is just a chronic, uh, (laughs) absurd, man-made thing. Uh, Really trying. We need to have more glory in trying. We need to teach people that trying is the win. You know, that's the thing that most people don't have the gall to do. It's very, very noble to try, even more so if it's likely that you'll fail. Then you're a fucking hero. You're you're courageous. Yeah. You're brave. I was told at 29 I was too old, too fat, too ethnic to move to America and start my career all over again. Well, look at you now. Well, look at me now. Bob's your uncle. The point is that even if I hadn't achieved all of this, I would, yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) even Even if I hadn't achieved all of this, I would still be a legend for hearing all of that and getting and on a one-way yes. ticket anyway. Like, that's where my legend status exists. Like, everything else is just cake. Vegan, gluten-free right cheesecake. Yeah. So that's, like, I think we need to instill more nobility in children about around trying because the amount of friends I have who You know people shame try. you for that. People will shame you for even wanting to try. People shame you. I'm English, so like, I know. <laughs> That's the right. pillar of our being. Well, I'm, you know, black American. 
And yeah. the reality is, is that the crabs in the barrel concept comes from this idea that says that like, how dare you think you can get out from under? We're going to tear you back down into this barrel. Mm-hmm. And so you get shamed for even thinking that you deserve to not be in the barrel when it's like, this wasn't our habitat ever. We don't belong mm-hmm. in a barrel. And I've seen people try and shame you for being light skin. Oh, well, darling, I mean, I prayed for this skin every day in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here with this. I'm yeah. not even trying to yeah, yeah, yeah. move with this. But there definitely is. Uh, there, colorism is a real thing oh, in yeah, this country exists. and for in sure. the world. And, and that's, we and benefit from privilege. Yes, we do. But I do think we benefit from privilege in a different way than yeah. I think a lot of people consider. I think people think of it as very, uh, t- just to be cliche, black and white. And it's like. The nuance is more in depth, and I think I would I would even and vitally, venture to say vitally you are using your privilege to help yes. people who are every different shade of your people. But I would say that I benefit or quote unquote have light skin privilege more amongst black people, right, than amongst the oppressor. Mm-hmm. And then I always hear people say things like, "Well, you know, black men prefer light skinned women," and I'm like. That's not a plus for us. If I, as a light-skinned woman, a, a light-skinned black, black woman, woman, if my pool is men who think that light-skinned women are better, that's a trash-ass pool. Mm-hmm. I don't want that fucking pool. No. There's no win in that pool. There they is, peed in that pool. There's come in that pool. Yeah. 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 You know the sign that said, don't get in this pool if you just had diarrhea? Mm-hmm. They're in the fucking pool with the mm-hmm. diarrhea. Agreed. Well, because they're ignorant and they don't love their heritage. You love your heritage. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, so that's like one of those things where it's like, I understand understand the concept of like, it's whack that they like you, but like, I'm not benefiting, I'm not benefiting by the fact that these small minded individuals like me for this dumbass fucking reason. Yeah. So I feel like there's, um, but also there's also layers to that of like the erasure of, of dark skinned people from my country and from your country. You know, I mean, just generally, my my, just generally people from my country only play like the most embarrassing stereotypes up until the last couple of years. We've never even been allowed to play anything other than an absurd, very loud, very unsexy, unheroic, weak and pathetic uh, pharmacist, cab driver. Uh, doctor convenience store owner convenience store Apu owner. was not weak though no Apu wasn't weak but Apu was paid by a fucking white man was so. it really Hank Azaria yeah was oh, a white Hank man is a white he's man. a very white man yes he is like uh, P- Peter Sellers was uh, was white as hell and he was playing a man in the, an Indian man in the party like stereotyping all of our little head movements and our accent and oh my god you know he's being very silly so I grew up never seeing and so did Asian men never seeing Asian women and the same thing for Asian women with Asian men like a lot of us tend to date white people and sometimes that's because we just fell in love with the person but sometimes it's also because we're not attracted to our own because we never saw anyone else being attracted to our own or celebrating our own right so these things aren't always deliberate no sometimes it's just we are a product and we must make sure that we do what we can to change it but those of us with privilege have to just try and kick the door open to make sure the next generation don't go through all of this mind control well i think this next question is really um it's your it's your wheelhouse okay next question how can we get rid of the shame we feel for our bodies I find that I'm constantly having to apologize for having a body, let alone the imperfections of it. 
It's a huge question. It's a question that is affecting so many of us, in particular people who identify as female because of the way that we have been taught that our entire worth is just... Uh, is only based in how little space we take up in this world. Um, a very important thing to do is to, first of all, understand the system that has corrupted you, which is a system that just wants to sell things to you. It doesn't care about you or how you feel. It doesn't even really care if you're thin or young or whatever. They just want to make sure that whoever you are, you feel bad about everything that you have. So you will go out and buy a cure for that thing that they just made up. Um, and so you are just a victim of a corrupted lie. Uh, based on a systemic white supremacist uh, version of what they think the world should be, but also they set these unattainable standards for us because they know that we'll never reach them. And every time we do start to reach them, they move the bar. They move the bar. Yeah. So that you will always have to consume, you will always have to buy things. So first of all, register that you're a victim of that. Second of all, really sit down and think about your body. I only did that when I broke my back and I, I hope you don't have to do that in order to be able to access this feeling. Think about your legs, what they do for you every day. Think about your arms. Think about your organs. Think about your face. Think about all of the different things that your body does for you. This is an incredible, incredible machine that takes mm -hmm. you through your life. And you wouldn't be here without this machine that you hate so much. How awful. And would you tell a friend to hate themselves the way that you hate on yourself? Would you tell a friend she's too fat to go for that job or she's too ugly to go for that, that lover? to think that she could deserve a better relationship or she's not smart enough to have this, that and the other. She's not enough. You would never tell your friend that. How dare you say tell that to yourself? yourself. Yeah. So you have to start sticking up for yourself against that inner bully the way that you would stand up for a friend. Where does this inner bully, this inner bully, like it's just, I was about to say, where does this inner bully came, come from as if I don't know where this inner bully comes from. It comes yeah, from it comes, so many sources. We learn it from the outside. We internalize it. We learn it and then we do it to ourselves. It's the perfect crime. <sighs> Have people told you you're smart? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and it's come with mixed reviews. <laughs> it's not always said as a good thing. Um, but, you know, I only know all of this. I don't have any schooling. I left school at 16, you know, I'm, and I, you know, I used to feel very insecure about the fact that I don't have any official education and I don't really read a lot of books. I just read essays that I find on the Internet. Um, but you're a common sense specialist, though. Well, I've just lived a lot and I've made a lot of mistakes and I've learned from them. So all I'm doing is is showing you my working out. You know, do you remember at school, if you came up with the right answer in maths, you still got half the mark. Because, because you showed your work? You didn't, because you didn't show your work. So I show my workings out now. I am wise only through all of the- Oh, you're saying the, you got the right answer, but you did Okay, yeah. got it. And so I, I'm only wise because I- have been so unwise in my life before and been punished for it and had to What we'll turn the corner? Because mm. it well, feels. I've heard you say a couple times. Corners. I've heard you say a number of times that like you felt like you weren't making good decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. So when I was twenty six, I tried to kill myself. That was bad. Um, Do you know why? I was just desperate to get out of my life because everything was so out of control. And I didn't know who to turn to. And I, I felt embarrassed about having mental health problems. So I didn't tell anyone and didn't reach out to anyone. Uh, I didn't want to burden anyone with my problems. I also felt like I was a failure for not coping. And also I was very privileged at the time. I had a lot of money suddenly because I was doing well in England on television and I was famous and I was deemed societally conventionally attractive. So how dare I cry on the yacht? 
And so because there's of all no these different on reasons, the yacht, exactly. Yeah. So, um, but I did, I was crying on the yacht just privately in my room. And finally I was like, I have no way out of this. Also, I struggled with fame. I didn't find it fun. I found it very invasive and strange. It's very annoying. And I was going through a lot of old traumas were starting to surface around 26, 27, which is when it does tend to start to. We've lost a lot of celebrities at 27. Yeah. And so I, uh, I was almost one of those statistics. And then, um, also when I was, so I started making changes then and then I had a big, big wake up so scare. So what, so you attempted suicide and mm-hmm. then was it the therapy that helped you make the changes or was it just no, like the finality? No, I didn't the therapy for another two years because I was still too proud, which is so stupid. I wasted so much time. I'm so embarrassed. Um, but I, I just started making practical efforts to eliminate things in my life that were hurting me. Like okay. an emotional juice fast. One okay. might say, yes. you know, I just uh, like canceling out. friends. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of those Taking things that breaks, you were eliminating? Family, um, certain friends, uh, leaving a job that I was unhappy in and felt undervalued and under intellectually stimulated in, uh, ending relationships that I that that were actually bad for me, unfollowing people on social media that made me feel bad about myself. This happens in little. There are lots of micro ways in which you can start to protect yourself, and it's vital that you do. It's not selfish; it's self-preserving. And if you don't preserve yourself, then you will run on an empty tank, and then you'll be nothing. Thing, no good to anyone so you have to look after yourself in order to be able to serve others i will do certain I, I, i've done simple things like just changed my feed on instagram by adding in things that i know are going to bring me joy yeah yeah i mute do you know how many whales everyone. are on my instagram feed i don't know i just <laughs> just watching just fucking whale. whales man yeah. i love dogs dressed as people yes i love it. i love i love unlikely animal friendships yes a duck on the back of a donkey. I also what? love watching people play the piano. I just think that's just one of my favorite things to have on my feed. Really? Yeah. There's a particular guy who plays the piano with his cat. Yeah, I've seen him. He knows exactly what he's fucking doing. <laughs> he knows exactly what he's doing. It's about many different types of pussy, those videos. <laughs> I don't trust that guy one bit. <laughs> he has an agenda. A agenda. Uh, hey. <laughs> Struck from the agenda. So you were in this space. You were making practical changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that you're saying this and sharing this because I know that my listenership, they really do, like, they apply the things that people say and that I say mm-hmm. on this podcast because we're really all just trying to make the best of our time here. Yeah, just be practical. What is making you feel bad? Get, get rid, rid of it. it. And if it's related to you, get, get rid, rid of it. it. It doesn't matter. You can have a chosen family. That's also okay. Something that I really like find a lot when I go out and I speak at a lot of universities about this sort of stuff and about shame. And a lot of kids from ethnic minorities come to me and they tell me that they're being abused at home or whatnot and they don't know how to step away from their family. It's just like you don't owe anyone anything dna like family is not dna based it's behavioral based and so if someone doesn't treat you like your family and they're not protecting you and we looking talk after about you this. you don't have to talk to them ever again if you don't want to side effects you, of family yeah you just y'all know i don't fuck with my dad no i don't Toxic. talk to most of my family like i really just talk to my brother and um and that's okay because I built an amazing family out of out of my friends, and I got yep. to. And you know, it's insane that you, you just get born to people, yeah, that are blood. But yes. then your family doesn't necessarily have to be your relatives. It's behavior, not DNA. That's what adoption is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's literally what adoption Agreed. is. Agreed. So, 
Okay, so you were 26. Mm-hmm. You started making these changes. You didn't start going to therapy yet. No, but I but those changes started to really impact my life positively. And I really was ruthless in my decisions. And someone set me a challenge of a year of no, which is just for one year being completely self-serving and not doing anything I didn't want to do unless I absolutely had to do it. So cancelling on a friend on that day if I just didn't feel like getting out of bed or saying no to a date or saying no to a food that I didn't want to eat. Just checking in with myself before every single micro decision that I made. What do I want? Do you think you were a people pleaser before? For sure. I'm a brown woman. All I want to do is serve. I want to serve everybody. I want to serve the white man. You know, that is our stereo fucking type. And we're not just oppressed by white people. We're oppressed by our own. Of course. And so, you know, that is something that is really prevalent within my culture. So, you know, I was very, very subservient. Very brown woman of all brown, black, like West Indian. I mean, I've definitely... I mean, been shamed for just having an opinion like, oh, you're a woman like you talk too much like mm-hmm. Amanda Seals is not sexually attractive because she has opinions that she shares. Whitney Cummings said on Twitter yesterday, if someone tells someone who tells you that you're a lot is normally just a little. It's the facts. It is. a You're just not enough. Fact. Yeah, I would say. And I think I said this on a side effects of self-worth. Mm-hmm. So people want. People would love to be like, I want a Maserati. And it's like, can you even afford the servicing on this? Like, mm-hmm. you, you you can't put regular gas in this. Also, they're just ugly. Fair enough. Sorry. Do you have a Maserati? <laughs> no. Okay. I have a Mercedes. Fine. I mean, I don't even know really what I think of all cars. I love cars. Right. I really do. I've never been in a Is Maserati. Is it Lamborghinis? Those are the ones that look like a sort of like... A roach. Yeah. Yes. Looks like a Transformers condom. Yeah. And that's the show. I guess my endorsement for Lamborghini just went out the window. The show. <laughs> Lamborghinis look like a Transformers condom. I think you may have literally just outdone yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I that imagery is so sound. Very strange woman. So sound. It made me think of a friend of mine who I no longer can be friends with because he as a white guy who let me know that he only wanted to sleep with me, but not date me (gasps) because he felt like it would ruin our friendship. Even though he was actively dating for love. So you had to stop dating him, stop being friends with him because he's stupid. Correct. Got it. That's just a shame. It was just so like, what? And he was like, well, I would want to fuck you, but I wouldn't want to date you because our friendship is so good. And I was like, so you basically, you're a piece of shit and you don't want me to find out. Is that what this is about? No, he's explicitly telling you he's a piece of shit no, I'm and me. expecting you to be okay with it. Right. Like, let me just yeah. do this. And I was like, mm. well, good luck to him in his life. And I do feel like there was a certain level of shame on his part in terms of like me being a black woman and like, I don't think I could like really do it. Do yeah, it. yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool of him to otherize you so severely, isn't it? Isn't it? We yeah. went to middle school together. <gasps> we went to high school together. He probably listening to this Wait, podcast right this now. This person went to school and still said such stupid this things. This is an incredibly smart person. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, clearly not. There's that. a difference between book smart and actually smart. 
like I said, you're a common sense specialist. Like, even if you don't read the books, if you can actually read the language of the world. Yeah, but he can't even read himself. He can't even unpack his own anti-blackness. Well, like, but that's that to me, though, is what this is what a lot of shame is about, though. It's about people like literally not knowing how to read themselves. And so a lot of us are suffering from shame that we don't even have to because we don't know how to even read our own shame. We don't even know how to identify yeah, it. Yeah, that's why I'm obsessed with just teaching people how to identify it. Because once you, with any abuser, once you come out and call something out, the abuser can no longer abuse you because they they rely on the privacy within which to do it that's why even like with you know like i mean i've seen people feel shame about like there was food in their teeth and oh you know like people are like amanda i just feel like you're so strong for being on instagram with your hair out you know or or not makeup or anything and i'm just like or i've had people be like oh um like oh your your picture is touched up and i'm like yeah I don't feel ashamed about the fact that I touched that picture up. I didn't like that leg. I didn't like how that leg was looking. I do think you shouldn't do that, though. Why? Because it then means that then if you look in the mirror, you then see that same leg. And then you hate that leg because it doesn't look like the digitally enhanced picture. Maybe I'm not trying some, to shame you for, for me. It. Well, perhaps not for you. But it's then the also, photo. It, but it, it perpetuates this culture. I don't mean to start a fight with you in your bed where we've got all this cake. But it does perpetuate this culture, I think sometimes of setting these unre- unrealistic norms and expectations for ourselves, and who the fuck set those who told us that one leg was away and, and not another and you're entitled you should do whatever but I'm the fuck an you artist, so there's a certain level of visual like aesthetic but who set that white supremacists no fuck them white supremacists ain't shit ain't said shit for me I like how certain shit looks but how do you know that you don't like that shit because you haven't just seen loads of thin supermodels when we were growing because up because I don't the same I age. never had that shit like I can genuinely tell you, like my mother had surrounded me with black broads. I grew up in the '90s, so we—I yeah. I feel like I was very lucky. But don't you feel up- like the African American people were still very erased unless they were quite white, conforming in their aesthetic? It depends on who was raising you. Got I it. think that there's a certain level. Oh, sorry, of, I like, meant in media. I didn't right mean in, your, in media in your, in your environment. But in media, yes. But then there was like people around you. So like, if you think about the late '80s, early '90s, we had a lot of representation in a way that we didn't have right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a different world. I had the Cosby Show. I had Living Single. Mm-hmm. I had Girlfriends. I had uh, then I had like Whitney Houston. Patti we also LaBelle. had those shows, by the way. And I, I basically only survived childhood because of those right. shows. <laughs> but I was like very sequestered into mm-hmm. like that space. Like I never dealt with the rep- the body representation because my mom was very ardent about like you're going to have black dolls like you're going to be surrounded by black women but I can't so- remember any of those I, I, I might be wrong forgive me if I'm wrong but I w- used to watch a lot of those shows and I remember a lot of those people being quite slender Moesha Sister Sister like no. a lot of the Cosby Regine. kids were quite slender no. uh, Kim on the Cosby show had, had some body to her then you had Queen Latifah on Living Single Queen Latifah was the kind and of breakout person for me the other uh, uh, why am I and Sinclair I mean there was a range of bodies Mm -hmm. but for me when i'm saying that like i don't like that leg it's not because it's fat i'm like i don't like them veins in that leg i don't like the way it looks and that's not me and so you then don't feel bad if you see those veins in the mirror i don't because a lot of people do that's a problem so you are therefore you don't mind it's like if i see the veins in the mirror i'm like i'm really not a fan of these veins but it's also like i'm not i don't feel like i have to like everything either no i don't believe in that either i just i don't i don't practice self-love i'm not one of those people that stands in the mean? mirror like, and goes i love my thighs. like yeah there's a certain I shit that i'm just like cellulite I, no I, i'm not no. like that either i'm I, it's an unrealistic expectation to have of people but i just think love. you have to be but conscious do, about but that i but i practice and 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 i don't know what you feel about it but what i practice i can't do self-love i can't do body positivity mm-hmm. what i do is body ambivalence i've learned to stop being tied 
to my image, which is that I've learned to try to stop being triggered by my image. So if I see my scars on my legs, if I see my veins on my legs, if I see my cellulite, I immediately have been programmed to tell myself, it just doesn't matter. It's just not important. What's important is that I make money, that I have orgasms, that I have fun and right. that I have love. And so it's, so that's just a, it's, it's, I'm not at all preaching that you should be like, love your veins. Just your veins should not be, hopefully will not be important to you. And, and you are a very strong-minded and resilient person, but not everyone is as self-aware and strong-minded and resilient as you are. And the problem with Photoshop That's for most people is that they look in the mirror and they compare themselves to this ex mahina digitalized image and they cannot help but compare it and that's why the cosmetic surgery industry is booming because everyone's trying to match what they see in the filter in real life but with I think some the varied real, results but I think the real root of that is less about Photoshop and more about like really teaching people to make to be able to make choices so like to me you can, if you say that then you have to simultaneously say that like surgery is not cool I don't think surgery I'd look I don't think surgery isn't cool. I just think surgery is a factor of our shaming. And so right now surgery isn't the problem. The problem is the root of why we want surgery. So we're saying the same thing. So the problem mean? is the root of why I would want to photoshop something. Yes. Like so if I want to photoshop it because it makes me feel bad about myself, we have a problem. Yes. If I want to photoshop it because I just like a certain aesthetic about this and that's fucking up this. But don't you think a little bit in a little bit the reason that you, that's not fitting your aesthetic is cuz you feel bad about the way that it looks? It's not that I feel bad about it. I just don't like it. There's a difference. That's the same. The no, because it's not making me feel bad about myself. It's just that I have a vision of how I want this to look, and it just isn't missing that vision. But then it doesn't make me feel bad. I don't know. I well, th- I don't feel bad about my veins. I'm just I have like a different stance on that. I just personally know that for me and for a lot of people I know, when they look in the mirror after having seen so many retouched photographs of themselves, they compare itself to them. A lot of people have anxiety about leaving the house now because they have so heavily retouched their photographs that they don't want someone to see and what they look the like thing, in but real that, life. But see, but I feel like I get a fair shake because I give you balance. Okay, I'm out here looking batshit crazy. On a regular fucking basis. Oh, I basis. agree. I'd find you. I, fi- I find you tremendously unproblematic in that area. Like <laughs> I'm I, out here giving you. I I I've like <laughs> I I have been inspired by how early in the morning you will post. So to me, like, there's a certain <laughs> there's a certain level of balance, though. I agree. I feel like there's a balance. I'm not, I'm like, not I think mad that there's you. something to be said for like my picture in my book. I want to look a certain way, and I saw your book, and like you definitely you were t- well, no you were telling me about your idea. For your, was it you? No, it was Retta. I think it was someone else. It was yeah. Retta. Retta was telling me about her idea for her book cover. And like the front of the book looks perfectly quaffed. And on the back, you can see that like the dress is being pinned together and like all That's the really shit great. that That's has been put fun. together. And so I think there's something to be said for the realities that like in certain spaces, I want shit to be presented a certain way. And I feel like I'm I'm fine with that. Like, I guess I'm working towards a world in which we don't look at those things as flaws. That's all. Well, we I'm telling you now that the pictures time. in my book, Small Doses, will be retouched because <laughs> I want them to be retouched. But you know what? That's another layer, though. When you say this has been retouched, you are already halving the damage done of a retouched photograph. When you explicitly tell people who are looking at that image that this image has been doctored, then fine. Go oh, yeah, fucking I'm not, ham. I say filter. This has a filter. Yeah, I retouched that's it. That's what I'm saying. That's fine. I didn't know that. That's that's still like no, it's not ideal. I'm like I didn't yeah. like these veins. Buff that shit. It's not ideal to look at and some anything on your body as a 
quote unquote flaw, but at least you are doing some of the work when you're saying this is retouch, this is not representative, because that's kind of what makeup is. We can all see when someone's wearing makeup. The problem with Photoshop that makes it so insidious is the fact that you, the whole point of it is that it makes it look like that's really what you look yes. like. And you can't see that. Yeah. Like no one thinks I have bright blue eyelids. Do you know what I mean? They can tell that I'm wearing eyeshadow. They can tell that you're wearing red lipstick. But when it's your it's nose has trickery. been made smaller or when your skin has been made smoother, when way, you're made to look to younger. Do that with makeup now. You know, I've seen also, people change their entire face yeah, I'm, with makeup, I which is I'm not beyond into, me. I'm not into that. I think, again, that's just setting yourself up for failure and unhappiness because when you take that makeup off, you're still left with you. You've got to get to peace with yourself for any kind of rest. And also those of us with privilege and those of us with a big platform do have some responsibility yes. to just let people know that I myself am not attaining this aesthetic naturally. So therefore, you should know that if you don't either, that's because I'm doing this extra thing to get there. Like there's a makeup artist here doing yeah, this shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about transparency and all about telling people that I had my tits reduced and and uh, and therefore they are smaller and my back hurts less and I, I like <laughs> the way that they look in, in shirts in a way that I didn't before because they don't pull on the buttons. Um, and I'm open about this sort of stuff. When I have my hair done, I always let people know. So transparency, I think, is the first and most minimal step that we as as role models can take. And we are role models. You have a huge Instagram following. I think that there's something to be said for the fact that like, even as we talk about shaming and, and how we address shaming of ourselves and of each other, it's like sometimes it gets misconstrued as like a certain level of like self-righteousness, mm-hmm. you and know, moral superiority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm really trying to work against because I think I've lost some of my messaging to that. Like to people thinking I'm trying to people thinking that I feel like I found the answer, right. you know, like I like small doses. The book is coming out on Abrams press. It's available for pre-order currently on Amazon.com release mm. October 22nd, 2019. <laughs> uh, the four, the beginning <laughs> of the book says like, you know, these words are not like perfect. Like, it, you know, just know that they came from a real place. So like, yeah, you either fuck with it or you don't, but I- I'm not here trying to be an expert on shit. I cannot recommend enough the work of Aishat A. Akanbi, um, who that. is A-Y-I-S-H-A-T and then A as her middle initial and then A-K-A-N-B-I, uh, who is a young stylist who just started talking about her thoughts and views on, on wokeness or on race or on sexuality. She herself is a young black gay English woman and um, and she just has wonderful thoughts on what you're talking about like uh, what I personally just really resonate with what she's saying and they've taught me to be more progressive and she's very much so into the fact that outrage isn't um, isn't radical it's actually very conformist and that's what they most want us to do is be outraged and fight each other yes um while they organize and take away all of our rights yes um and so she talks about this in a brilliant way we gotta get her on the podcast tell me about it like you'll be blown away she's the most concise person i've ever even heard of Ooh, i've never heard someone described as concise as as unbelievable she can just break down huge truths in a second um and she's very young and uh incredibly just poised and yeah and and she's very thoughtful in everything that she says but Aisha I learn a lot a. from her Canby. yeah alright we're looking her up look her up she's great um, but yeah I, I, agree, I agree with you well you're great oh thanks people I like yeah you know on the show my segment that I have typically is called people I like people I like is a segment where I basically tell somebody why I like them 
Oh. I only have people on the show who I like. Thank you. That's the rule. And you didn't even know I was going to buy you cake. I, <laughs> but somehow I feel like innately, <laughs> I did. I know you had the propensity for Do that type that of vibe? behavior. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but I, you know, and we we talked about this off the record, but... I liked you because from the beginning you were honest about something that at the time everybody was being very like uh, universally. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dick you, sucking about. Yes, that's yes. exactly what I was looking for. Universally, there was a lot of universal dick suckery going a lot of sheeple on. Sheeple just saying that they love this thing, but actually it was and a bit we dubious. met. And we were strangers and it came up and you very boldly were just like defiant of that. And I was like, that's her who I like her. (laughs) I like her. And we were in the green room of a show that we were cast to do. And sometimes you just don't know. You don't know when you're put together with people like, is it going to work? Like when when I was put together with Chrissy Teigen and Jeff Foxworthy and Keenan, I'm like, how is this going to work out? And it ended up being like a great moment yeah but then there's other stuff where i'm just like well not this time no no you can't but can i tell you something yeah meeting you Mm -hmm. and that one day literally let me know like oh you can have great work experiences in this business that's so nice for real yeah i really loved meeting you i was really hoping that we'd meet again and then we just kind of started chatting on social media but i like i'm so i didn't know of you before then and and it's been such a revelation to to watch you just grow and use your knowledge to educate other people and rant and rave and just (laughs) say the fucking things that other people are too afraid to say ditto jams ditto jamming on the one jamming on the one yeah i I really i'm serious i was i literally called the person at NBC after and I was like this has like literally meeting this person has reinstated my like okay my hope for like no no you can have dope work environment you you can work with someone you would hang out with after work I was so sad that we didn't get that show mostly because I wanted to work with you literally I was like we were gonna travel yes I would have had a blast it would have been great I could see his horseback riding. I had all types of visions. I, know. <laughs> I was like, well, we're going to have to figure this out outside of this show. So here we are. Yeah. So here we are. We have to meet up now, not on a podcast. Yes. Yeah. We've we've broken the ice. Yeah. And I mean, fair enough. I fair, Let me say, fair to say I'm a cancer. I'm just in this house all the time. Uh, <laughs> you see, that's why there's like, my house looks like the shells, like the walls of a, of a hermit crab shell. It's like room. Yeah. It's literally, <laughs> I'm in here, man. I'm in here. We're figuring it out. You got to roll me up in a carpet to get me out of this I'm, bitch. I, I mean, yeah, I'm exactly the same. So we might just have to Skype. <laughs> <laughs> me and Cree Summer are the best of friends. We have seen each other on purpose maybe four times. Yeah. We run into each other and it's uh, the best. But like we are cancers and we just like communicate from our shells. Yeah. You know, it's like two cans on a string. Mm-hmm. And that's how it ends up going down but i am so glad to have had you on the show and like the fact that you were able to like make time and fit us in really means a lot to me oh it's a pleasure and i I know that my listeners the small dosers were like souped i'm looking at my instagram i put up the picture of the video and the people are like because you're genuine and there's just not a lot of genuine 
There's just not a lot. There's I'm a lot of people perfect. acting. I'm not perfect. I've made loads of mistakes, but I wear those mistakes. Like I have nothing to hide. And I think that's really the next step in activism, in allyship, in advocacy, in being a human is just being able to say, I'm I'm on it. I'm thinking about I'm it. I'm going to do better. Yes. Yeah. And that's in relationships. That's in anything. Just yeah, yeah. like, just at least acknowledge like, no, no, no. I my pinned I tweet is my, all the skeletons in my closet, by the way. I have it in my pinned tweet. So it's like the first thing you see about me, if you admire me and you come to find my page, the first thing you see is everything I fucked up. I'm not going to go to it. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone will. Um, and there you go. Where can they find, where can they follow you on Twitter? They can find me at Jamila Jamil on Twitter. And I think I'm Jamila Jamil official on Instagram. Cause a six-year-old Sri Lankan boy took my name, <laughs> so um, I'm disrespectful. Official, and um, and I have another brilliant uh, Instagram account that is actually, I'd say, better even than my own, which is I Wei, which is I underscore W E I G H, and it's this platform that is a revolution against shame. We are not interested in what you look like. We are not interested interested in how much you weigh we just want to know who you are and it's this just wonderful dose of sense and self-love and pride and community that will pop up on your instagram feed so check that out as well nice i underscore away mm -hmm. and when does a good place come back comes back in september and then uh and then i'm hosting a really gross uh game show with the impractical jokers on tbs <gasps> shortly right. afterwards what makes yeah. it gross it's about all of the most miserable and disgusting things that happen to people and you have to rate where they land on a misery index of 1 to 100 and some of these things are really disgusting like there's one woman who has explosive diarrhea every time she comes oh man yeah um oh yeah there's so, no way around that not really there was one woman who found out her boyfriend was cheating on her and she cut his dick off and then she ran out of the house and he grabbed his dick and, and went to the hospital and got it reattached. She found out from someone else that he'd had it reattached. She snuck into the hospital, cut it off again. <laughs> you see, and that's diligence. And threw it out the window this time. So there's a possum running around with a dick uh, somewhere in America. What happens when that happens, when a dick's cut off? I always think of Theon Greyjoy. Did you watch Loretta Bobbitt? No, I did I not. I mean, that man had it coming. He got her hand and reattached. She's horrible. And then he was in porn, so he used it the whole time again. So, but like, if you cut a dick off, can you still pee with the dick? Well, they could reconstruct one out of another part of your body. They can take a bit of your ass, maybe, and reconstruct a penis, but it won't necessarily have the same functions. It would just be a like an oh, elephant's okay. trunk. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is because sometimes dicks need to get cut off. <laughs> oh my god, I uh, I would like to be excluded from this uh, narrative, please. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, this podcast is the express views of Amanda Seals and does not, by any means, uh, share influence with Mr. Jamila Jamil. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Please, y'all, remember Smart Funny and Black is going on tour July 2019. Get your tickets at smartfunnyandblack.com. We're hitting major markets. We're hitting smaller markets, and we're we're also just gonna be hitting you in the face with some good old fashioned blackness so come on and have a good time with us we will be announcing our feature black spurts this week so well we've been announcing our feature black spurts we'll be announcing more so you know stay tuned to smartfunnyandblack.com also tell a friend to check out small doses right here and um, I'll see y'all soon on the road goodbye
Star Avenue, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.